91.3 KXCI Tucson. Real people, real radio. Good afternoon, Tucson. Thanks for joining us today at 91.3 KXCI Tucson, where we have real people and real radio. This is Aspen Green with my co-host, Kathy Harris, and we are bringing you Broad Perspectives Radio, a program by women, about women, but for everyone. You can learn more on our Broad Perspectives Radio page at kxci.org. I am very happy to say we have a wonderful, multi-talented guest who is a singer-songwriter, a seamstress, a storyteller, and an author, and more. Today, she is here to talk about her first book, but I must say, I think there are still many of us still wearing her clothes she created when she had her shop at Monterey Court. I see folks dressed in them all the time, including myself. How does one get so much talent? I guess we're here to find out that, Kathy, huh? Yes, that's exactly why we're here, and we're so delighted to have Nancy Elliott. Nancy began writing poetry and short stories in elementary school. And after picking up the guitar at 13 years old, she began writing songs and has since recorded four albums of her self-coined genre, Southwestern Americana. Coming to Arizona in 1990, Nancy performed Western and cowboy music with the Katy Creek Band. She also performed solo for years, and now Nancy has joined with Bob Bakken as the duo called Equipada, doing familiar old country music. Nancy has performed her music across the nation and is heard on Western and folk music radio stations around the world. She also has a storytelling program, The Heart of It All, which teaches participants the importance of leaving their story for others to find and grow from, and also how their story can change a life and even save a life. Her first book, Autumn's On Its Way, which we're going to talk about today, is based on her song by the same title. Nancy, welcome to Broad Perspectives. Well, thank you, both of you ladies. It's such a good thing to see your faces again. It's hard these days. <laughs> yes, it is. And you haven't been with us for quite a while, so we're really happy to have you again. And, you know, I have to start by saying you're one of the most prolific artists I've ever known. I first met you when I saw you perform in concert, and I loved your songs and your voice so much. It was startling to me. Then I found you selling your beautiful handmade and self-designed clothes in a little shop here in town at Monterey Court. Then you organized the first Sunday brunch music shows at Monterey Court, and I'd like to mention they are still running today, many years later. And you also do a wonderful program for storytelling, and now you recently released a novel. How do you find time for this? Do you ever sleep or take a vacation? <laughs> I manage to do both. Sometimes it requires a vacation to sleep, but yeah, you just kind of don't stop. And sometimes stopping will break your train of thought. So sometimes you just keep going. I understand. And I assume you probably love everything that you're doing. And that's one of the reasons you keep doing it. I understand that. Yes, you certainly get driven by portions of it. And right now the writing is the part that's driving me. Okay. Well, we want to talk about your novel, Autumn's On Its Way. It's based on your song by the same name. And I thought that's pretty intriguing in itself. Because I've read your book and I've heard your song and your book does closely follow the story of your song. And I'm wondering, did you plan to write a book about your song when you wrote the song? No, not at all. It didn't occur to me. I wrote the song 
I had the same framework behind the song as is behind the novel. But uh, no, and for years, people asked me, so what happens next? And all I could say is, I don't know. I hadn't thought about it beyond three verses in the chorus. And <laughs> finally, I was at a Western music festival and went to visit a friend of mine that had a new book out and see what he was all about over there. And behind him walks this gentleman that waves at me and says, you're Nancy Elliott. I said, you're Elmer Kelton. And he told me he was a fan of mine. And I said, my dad and I have been fans of yours for years. So that was quite startling. To this date, no one has usurped his position as the greatest Western author of all time. So I was really startled. So later in the day, he shows up at one of my shows and uh, walks up to me afterwards with a copy of my new CD, which at that time had the first version of Autumn's on its way on it. And he asked me, so, so what does the soldier say? And I said, I don't know, Mr. Kelton. And he wagged his finger in my face and said, you need to go home and find out. And I said, okay. <laughs> so on that directive is how telling the story behind the song or fleshing out the story that's in the song, that's how that all began. How interesting. Thanks for explaining that to us. But tell us, what is the story about, both in your song and in the book? <laughs> the story behind both the song and the book is a woman coming back to life, coming back to real life and coming back to the realization and the unintentional, I guess you could say, exploration of her personal strengths her emotional strengths, her spiritual capacities to survive after double tragedy. You know, I'm curious, I always ask novelists there and I get a variety of answers. When you started writing, did you know exactly what would happen and how it was going to end? Because some writers say they do. When they sit down, they know exactly what's going to happen. And then some say the story just takes them where it goes as they're writing it. And it's a surprise to them what happens. Which one of that happened for you in this novel? Well, I knew I wanted to follow the storyline that was within the song, and that was really the outline or the basis for filling in the blanks, so to speak. But as far as exactly what was going to happen, I had no idea. It really was oftentimes the uh, characters <laughs> wake me up in the night or interrupt a train of thought while I'm doing something else and say, hey, let me do this. Let me say that. This will work over here. And especially as the main character, Rose McKenzie, developed in my mind as to who she really is. And I strove to make her powerful, but real. A woman that any other woman can very easily relate to. It was a lot of fun, really letting the characters direct me as to where they wanted to go. And I also worked very hard to not make any part of the story feel contrived and forcing a part of the story to go a different direction. They did pretty much lead me along. Yeah. Okay. And I think you certainly succeeded in what you meant to do. I have to say, Rose is somebody that most women I know, certainly myself, kind of aspire to be like her. She's so interesting. I would also like to mention that there's a little bit of everything in this book. There's action, adventure, mystery, a little romance, 
resurrection. There's a little bit of everything in this book. And in my opinion, I'm not a critic, but I read a lot. And I think this is a very well-written novel, especially for a first book. I really enjoyed it. And I'm wondering, what do you think are the elements of good writing that you put into this book? Because you write so well. Oh, thank you. Thank you for your compliments. You know, I stuck pretty close to my songwriting formula, I guess you could say, if it's even a formula or just my songwriting habits. And didn't really know what I was doing when I started out songwriting and then didn't really know what I was doing writing a book. It was like, okay, let's put pen to paper and hopefully nothing blows up, you know. But I had to fall back on the words of one of my very favorite songwriters. And that was to always use, Mr. Ian Tyson said this, always use an economy of words, which meant choose the right word, the perfect word for what it is that you want to say. Don't flail around, get out the thesaurus, get out the dictionary if you have to, and use the perfect words. That's the most powerful thing that you can do. So I have always applied that to my songwriting and very much applied it to writing this book. It was kind of scary. Sometimes I did have to slap it all together and throw it in the drawer and walk away from it because it would get confusing and overwhelming as to what needed to happen next. Never taking any lessons, uh, so to speak. But mostly it's being honest and working hard to not be contrived, doing what you know how to do. I did have to put a lot of the people that I know I used some of their personalities and inserted them into some of the characters in the book. And, and that, that was quite interesting. I hope if they read the book, <laughs> they see themselves in there so they know that it's real. How long did it take you to do the whole book? Oh, my gosh, the better part of 10 years. And that included life-changing things where I just didn't look at it for a year at a time, sometimes a year and a half couldn't get to it, or I'd pull it out and went, oh, not today, and put it away. Then it took well over two years to find a publisher. So that's the tough part of it, especially as a new author, is finding someone to believe in you. Yeah, I hear that all the time from authors. I'm wondering how much of this book is based on your own experiences, because a lot of it takes place in a ranch, and there's a lot of details about it. Have you ever worked on a ranch yourself? Is this about your own experiences? I did draw from my own knowledge as being a day worker way back in the dark ages, I guess you could say, of my life, being a, a day worker, but also owning livestock on a small scale for about 13, 15 years, having horses, cattle, and other livestock on the place. And I tried very hard to not sound like I was trying to educate people about different things. I more wanted to set a scene in your mind and not be overly ranchy or I know all this and you don't kind of a thing. I worked very hard to just paint pictures in your head and pictures of certain movements like the scene where the young boy gets down off the horse and loosens the cinch and throws the near side stirrup over the saddle. That's a pretty typical movement of anybody stepping off their horse for any length of time. So just painting pictures in your head. I just did recall different scenarios. I found myself in some good, some bad, but yeah, they all became useful. 
Okay. I think it kind of shows through. This is somebody who knows what being on a ranch is like, and it's very intriguing. Right now, I think it might be a good time to take a music break because I want our audience to hear what a lovely voice you have and what great songs you write. Aspen, what are we going to hear by Nancy? Well, Nancy has chosen Back of the North Wind. And I remember you saying once that you would toss this line as a songwriting prompt, but it took you a decade or more for the song to come. So maybe you can tell us about that process and why you chose that song for today's show. Well, the Back of the North Wind was given to me, that line is apparently a George MacDonald line from a poem by a friend many years ago and said, here, you find something to do with this and I'll find something to do with this and we'll come together later and see what happens. Well, I tried, nothing happened, but in the writing of the book, one of the characters in the book actually says this line on the back of the North Wind. And I said, oh, there you go. Thank you, Lolo. That's a great intro for a song. And that's how the song came to be. I immediately stopped writing on the book after that character said that and got out a different piece of paper and wrote out on the back of the North Wind as it relates to that character in the book. That is really interesting. Thanks for sharing that. So let's listen to Back of the North Wind off the album Bluebird Singing on the Buffalo Road by Nancy Elliott. Your heart took your dreams by the hand. 
love that song. It's a wonderful song. You are listening to Broad Perspectives Radio at 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Aspen Green. I'm here with Kathy Harris. And we are returning to our interview with Nancy Elliott. Well, Nancy, let me ask you, the heroine of the novel, Rose, is a very intriguing character. She's a very strong woman who smokes a pipe, (laughs) runs a large rant, and outwits the men who try to take advantage of her. She's also capable of shooting both animals and people when necessary. Is there a person this woman is modeled after? You know, she is this wonderful smoothie, I guess you could say, of uh, a number of women that I know. And the predominance of those women are ranching women, and some of them are not. And they're just strong-hearted and know what life is all about for them, and they take it by the horns and go. That's where Rose McKenzie came from, was in the writing of the song, Autumn's on Its Way, I had combined several stories of ranching women that I know that on all different sizes of ranches, and at some point in their lives, they ended up running the place and raising their children on their own. Some of these ranches were huge, And some of them were a lot more manageable when it comes down to one person and young children. Just listening to their adventures and misadventures in that situation is how Rose McKenzie came to be. Okay. And I'm wondering, since you were writing this book on and off for 10 years, just in the writing process, what was the hardest thing for you about writing it? And what was the easiest and the thing that you liked the most about writing it? You know, some of the scenes were very hard to write as far as seeing through my own tears to be able to either write on paper or type out the different scenes. They really dug deep, not into just the storyline of the song, but definitely called up situations from my personal life that somehow spilled out onto the paper through the telling of this story and some very hard situations in my life became the hard situations in some of the characters' lives. And so even through the whole editing process, rereading those scenes again and again, who knows how many times, 50 or 100 times, you're reading them and editing them over and over. That was hard. It got exhausting in the editing process. It's like, oh, I can't go through those emotions again right now. And I would delay this section of the editing for days or a week or so just to avoid experiencing those emotions again. That's the toughest. Yeah, I can understand that because even just reading the novel, there were times when I was kind of holding my breath because either of the emotions or what was actually happening. And you did such a good descriptive job. It was wonderful. You know, speaking of the editing process, did you have an editor who helped you out with that process? You know, I did. 
For a very short period of time, I did manage to find a publisher for a short period of time, and then it ended up not working out. But the lady that was my editor for a couple of months, she was constantly reminding me, this is not a song, expound. I want to know more here. I want to know more over here. You can tell more of the story without worrying that it's going to be over much. Yes, that was a great shove for me. I mean, like the book went from 187 pages to 215. I guess that's not a, a big leap, but it was huge for a songwriter <laughs> to go farther. And then when I did find a publisher, they did have editors. And at that point, the book had been gone through so many times by myself. It was more typos and double words and, and things like that, that they ended up editing for. Just for our audience of would-be writers, you said it took you two years to find a publisher. Can you say just a little bit about that? I did start looking for a publisher during the whole COVID thing. And as we all know, during COVID, there was a lot of other highly emotional things that were going on. And as a conservative author, I was rejected out of hand constantly. My manuscripts were sent in and not read. I had no idea that that was even going on until it was explained to me later. And uh, I just thought, okay, I'll just keep going. It's a tough situation anyway to try to get published in any environment because you submit, you get a response back that says, okay, it's typical for our publishing company to take anywhere from six weeks to six months to respond to you as to being accepted or rejected. So you have to put that on your calendar. You have to watch very carefully when you're submitting to find out if a particular publisher will take what they call simultaneous uh, submissions, that means once you submit to them, they don't want you to submit to anybody else until you hear from them. And <laughs> you're going, wait, what? It's going to take six months. I have to wait six months before I can submit to another publisher. That was stressful in itself. I tried to stay away from them as far as submitting to the people that would not take a simultaneous submissions. And then you just have to put it on your calendar and say, I should hear from so-and-so by here, by this time or by that time. That's just a long period of waiting. You know, I, in that respect, I did start writing on the second part of the book. And I did go back through the book again and again and edit it myself. So there's, there's always things you can do in the interim. You can let the rejections stop you. And that's what I would say to any new author don't let the rejections stop you from continuing to submit or continuing to write. Okay, thanks for that experience and that good advice. I want to ask you a couple of quick, just fun questions. If your book was made into a movie, and I could see it as a movie, who would you want to play the main characters? You know, I've thought about who would play Rose, and I really haven't, I really haven't come up with someone yet. There's some actresses out there that have kind of displayed that character and the attitude that could be behind Rose McKenzie. And I know they can do a lot with makeup now <laughs> to actually make a tall blonde kind of look like this brown-skinned, brown-haired, freckle-faced ranching woman. So I know all of that can be done, but you know, I really haven't picked. 
I do get people like yourself that read the book and say, same thing. What if this was a movie? Would you want so-and-so, you know, the lady from Yellowstone, Beth from Yellowstone? I don't know about that. But, you know, the making suggestions, that's fun. But after I saw Matt Damon in Stillwater, I don't know if you've seen that film. What a great film. And after all of his years of born identity and all this other stuff that he was doing, to see that he can play just a guy. The character he played in Stillwater is just a guy. He's just this oil worker from Oklahoma. And, you know, so I've kind of got my eyes set on him to play KO if this goes into a movie. But who knows if I'll have any say at all if it happens. <laughs> Well, I just want to put in my suggestion that Jodie Foster would make a great role. Oh, what a great idea. <laughs> I can't believe you said that, Kathy. I'm sitting here saying this is a Jodie Foster yes, character. Yes, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Why didn't I think of her? That's great. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We're just about out of time. But let our audience know. Do you have any book signings coming up or music gigs you'd like our audience to know about? Yeah, actually, in the same weekend, on March 9th, I'll be out at Chiron Vineyards from 1 to 5, which is on the Sonoida Highway. It's in Vail, however. They call themselves Tucson's Neighborhood Vineyard because you don't have to go all the way to Sonoida to see them. They're just about three miles south of the I-10 junction there on Sonoida Highway. So I'll be there on March 9th for book signing. And then Equipada, Bob and I will be playing there the next day on Sunday from two to four. Okay, lovely. And I just have to ask you quickly, what about the future? Is there going to be a sequel to this book or another book of any kind in the works? <laughs> yes, the sequel is already underway. It's well underway, as a matter of fact. And I've had people requesting a prequel. They want to know about Rose and James prior to Autumn's on its way. Okay, that's excellent to know. I will personally, I will certainly look forward to that. And how can our listeners get your book or find out about your music? Do you have a website? Yes, you can. If you want a signed copy, you can purchase the book from my website, which is nancyelliotmusic.com. And that's Elliot with two L's and two T's. And there is a music and bookstore page there. Or you can purchase the book from Amazon or Barnes & Noble, bookshop.org, or you can just go to your favorite bookseller. Well, thanks a lot, Nancy. But unfortunately, we are out of time. Thanks so much for coming in to talk about your book, Autumn's on Its Way. Yes, we have come to the close of today's show. Nancy, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. Thanks so much for coming and telling us about your book, Autumn's on Its Way. And it was quite a loss when we lost your shop at Monterey Court. But you have done so many other great things with your music and writing. And thanks to all of you out there for being with us today. This is Aspen Green with Kathy Harris on Broad Perspectives Radio. And you can learn more on our Broad Perspectives Radio page at kxci.org. Now stick around right now because next up we have Boom Goddess Radio with Jennifer Davis Page. Enjoy your Sunday, and we'll be back next week.